Before I begin, let us uh, bow our heads in prayer. Most gracious and loving Father, we come before you asking for the gift of your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, Lord. We come to you acknowledging that at times we do not understand. And we pray, Lord, that this parable be revealed unto us. But more than that, Lord, that the seed that is sown will not return empty. And so may the words of my mouth and meditations of all our hearts, O Lord, be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've titled today sharing, Consider Carefully What You Hear. Uh, it's taken from one of the verses in our particular reading. It says, Consider carefully what you hear, for with uh, what measure you measure, it too will be measured against you. Now, uh, before I even begin, I'd like you to uh, go on this journey of imagination with me. So maybe if you can close your eyes, or if you're very suspicious of others around you, uh, just be able to picture this in your mind. The words in chapter 4 verse 1 begins, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. So I'd like you to just do this exercise of imagination. You're entering into the text. Uh, imagine yourself uh, being part of the crowd at this lake and Jesus is on the boat speaking to you, okay? It's a very easy exercise, 10 seconds or 15 seconds. Okay, you can open your eyes now. So, um, how far out was Jesus? Not very far for you? Well, the, the distance out maybe would actually give you an impression of how big a crowd you think this is. Now, um, this lake, uh, we call it a lake, but at times uh, when you go there, we, people would be referring it as to the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it's called the sea, but it's actually a, a body of water that is not a sea. It's, uh, it's actually a lake. It's so big that you sometimes think that is a sea. And uh, if you've been to a beach, especially when you come to an alcove, you sometimes notice that uh, the, the, the beach will, will incline itself down almost like a natural amphitheater. So, so imagine this, right? Because in chapter 3, Jesus is so busy... Everybody is crowding in his, in his house and one after another, people are just cramming in to bring in all their sick to, to, for him to pray for them. So much so that he actually has to escape on a boat. It is likely that it is it's this same boat that he is now using where um, the carpenter, ordinary carpenter, is now... Uh, drawing the crowds, such a big crowd that he actually has to sit on a platform away from everybody. And so you can imagine families, you know, children, uh, adults, elderly people just lined up along the beach just to listen to this man and what this man has to say. And this particular passage is uh, all this while Mark has been saying that uh, Jesus has been teaching. But in this particular passage is one of the longest passages where he strings together a series of parables saying this is what he taught. 
And he says there, he taught them many things by parables and in his teaching, uh, he taught them many things by parables and his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell uh, on the ground. It's, it's interesting to note that when you read this particular passage from verse 1, maybe all the way to verse uh, 30, right? Uh, it's a parable of the sower, but really uh, the key words that are occurring in there is this word, akuo. Maybe you can turn to the person next to you and say, akuo. Uh, very very hesitant here. You know. What's he saying? Akuo means here. Listen. It is the Greek equivalent of the Old Testament word Shema. Shema means here. Uh, and uh, for the Jew, it was a very common word because uh, Shema Israel, uh, Bara Elohim, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Okay? Every day. They were supposed to say this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Hear, hear, hear. Now, if you read this again and you read this parable, you would see the number of times this word is saying, Listen, hear, listen, accept this. Hear, 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 hear. Akuo, akuo, akuo. So, if you're reading the Greek text, you see that word quite often. So, it's a parable about listening to the teachings of what Jesus is giving. Now, and also, Jesus says that if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand the rest? So it's quite an important parable that sets apart um, a basis for understanding what he's talking about. And many of these parables are parables about the kingdom of God, but in particular, it's a parable about Jesus, the preacher who is preaching the word and whether they will listen. Now, if you look at your Bible, uh, we have our NIV Bible in the pews, if you'd like to open it up, and it was just now read to us. Uh, you will see this title called The Parable of the Sower. Okay? Now, let me tell you that these parables or these titles, right? When you see these titles, these titles are not in the original text. These titles were put in by the publishers or these writers so that it's you know, easier to understand what this is all about. Sometimes it's very helpful, sometimes it's not helpful at all. Because although we call this the parable of the sower, the focus is not on the sower. The focus is actually on the soil. There are four types of soil denoting the types of soil and how they will respond to the soil. Nowhere does it talk about the, uh, the capacity or the ability or the strength of the sower or how wonderful the sower is. It just says the seed, which is the word, and the soil. And since this is a parable that is being told to the people who are standing on the soil of the beach, because the same word that is used to describe the soil is the same word that you use to describe sand on the beach shallow soil right. so it's it's almost like a, a a piece of irony that is coming on jesus the preacher is preaching the word to a group of people who are standing on the earth and he gives this very common uh, farmer narrative which many in their field would know uh, many of them were farmers and shepherds 
and uh, this would be how they do it. Now, I wonder how many amongst us are actually gardeners or farmers or have come from agriculture business. Uh, anyone around? <laughs> you got some fingers pointing here and there. So we do have some people who are farmers. Uh, I, I think we also have a lot of engineers in, in uh, Penang. So, uh, a question. When you want to plant, how do you plant? Do you go uh, bit by bit? Uh, for example, if you look at your bulletin cover, uh, it's a picture there. If you can make it out, it's a picture of a paddy field. And in a paddy field, if you've ever been to one, and for our young adults and our youth who have never been one, maybe you should ask your elders to take you to one. Uh, I, I know some of my youths, they've never been to a paddy field before, never walked in a paddy field before, never been beaten by leeches either. Uh, so this is probably novel to them. If you go to a paddy field, when they plant, they actually plant in a reasonably straight line. And they go and they basically patch up, you know, they, they take it, they have this tool which they uh, stick it in and so it's in a straight line. They also have what they call a nursery, a tapak semayan, the smaller plants. So they take that up and they carefully have to put it in. and they So it's very carefully done and it's aligned in a straight line because when the tractor comes, it will cut it and it will be easier to cut. But that's not how they do it in, uh, in Palestine in that particular period of time. It was not necessarily done in that way. And in fact, Jesus uh, alludes to how it is being done. A farmer scatters seed. So this is the dispersal method. If you've been to some farms, uh, I've seen this being done in uh, India and Nepal, uh, where they're using corn or maize. The guy takes a hand of, uh, of corn and he scatters and he throws. And as he disperses, it depends where it lands. Sometimes it lands on that plot of land, sometimes it lands a little bit further outside. And it has been said that there are two approaches to farming. One is which you prepare the ground first, you till it up, and then after that you plant. Other people say, no, you throw and then you till, because as you till, it covers. Different approaches, but let me make this point. This parable has nothing to say about that. And so if that's where you're going, um, it's nice, but that's not the point of the parable. This parable tells us, when we read this, listen, Shema, <clears throat> Akuo. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where, he, where it did not have much soil, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, 60, some 100 times. So we have here a, a parable of the sowing of the seed, particularly in verse 1 to 8. Okay? Verse 1 to 8 is what is told to the larger group everybody there. There's no explanation. Now, picture yourself, right? I, I know you've read, probably read this, and you've heard people preach this parable to death. 
But try and approach this with a new set of eyes. If you're hearing it for the first time and you are together with this group that is on the beach listening to Jesus and all you're given at this point in time is the first eight verses, what would you feel? Let me tell you how I would feel and see whether it corresponds. If you have a different view, that's perfectly fine. Uh, we're different. So, if I imagine myself there and you gave me these first eight verses, uh, my typical Malaysian response would be, Abaden. <laughs> Abaden is a slang amongst our youth and young adults. Means like, so? <laughs> so what? Because you are giving us a narrative of something we know. Yeah, a farmer goes and scatters seed. Yes, some seed will fall on the rocky places. Some will fall on the path. Some will fall on the ground. Some will fall on the thorns. And the ones that grow, they grow and they produce. Uh, yes, okay. That's like saying one plus one equals to two. I know that. But what's that all about? If then, uh, so, so then I hope that you have a little bit of sympathy for the disciples who come and who don't understand. And say, explain to us what you meant. And then Jesus explains that this is what differentiates you. To you has been given the keys to the mystery of the kingdom. What is the mystery? Is it the mystery that the seed grows? No. Because that's common knowledge. The mystery is that God is the one who is sowing this, but He's also giving a parable that is prophetic of what is going to happen in the future, particularly with Jesus. So, what is this parable about? It's a vivid illustration of the preaching of the gospel. That at many times, although the person who is preaching this parable knows his stuff and he's telling the people something, many of them will not receive it or they'll be so hardened that they would not even sink into their hearts. And it, it affects them. Now, only one out of four types of ground-proof fruitful. Only one out of four types of ground-proof fruitful. And uh, the yield, the yield from the seed on good soil is uh, 30, 60, 100 times. You might be thinking, mm, where are we going with this? Is this a good yield? Is this not a good yield? And according to uh, some people, they say 30, 60, 100 is okay. It's not fantastically great, neither is it miraculous. But it does prove a growth from 30 to 60 to 100 times. 100 times of what? Whatever crop that you planted, it produces a yield 100 times more than that handful that you do. Now naturally, if you are a person uh, who is anti-inefficiency, and, and you might be automatically thinking, why is this so worth? so haphazard why doesn't he do a better job you know why didn't he put a furrow uh, dig properly lah. plant in nice angles you know the natural farmer in you even if you say you're not a farmer might be thinking why why so random and again the focus is not on the sower although if we look at it this way jesus preaches to all not only does he preach to those who would listen, he preaches also to the hard-hearted, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, 
those who were in the temples, to the widows, the orphans. He preaches to all. And therefore, the gospel of salvation is given to all. The preacher's job is to sow it, whether or not there will be a response. If he doesn't sow, there will not be a response. And somehow or rather, sometimes even when we do this, we do not know whether the soil that it lands on will be good or it will be hard soil. And so, although only one out of four uh, prove fruitful, we nonetheless do this. In mission work, we have seen this many times before, not just in uh, South America, but also in China. And it has something for us to think about as a church. This uh, story is commonly told to us through OMF friends. They tell us that one of these missionaries went into a particular area for 20 years, no conversion. So much so that this person, heartbroken after 30 years, passed away. Right. But after the, uh, the communist revolution, right, when all the missionaries were sent out and there was no longer any further contact, when the, when the church, or rather when China finally opened up again and they went back to the village, they suddenly found that that whole village had become Christian. And so when they tried to ask, what happened? When this guy came and tried to preach this, nobody came to faith. It's only after he died. And their response was, although he planted it, we at that time were not ready and we didn't respond. It was only after he passed away that we began to remember that this man gave his entire life uh, to this cause. Now put yourself in the shoes of the church that is sending him. Every year, every month, how many conversions? Zero. <laughs> how many people did you preach to? Everyone in the village. <laughs> Why is it not working? Why is it not fruitful? And recently, you know, uh, in a recent talk that I was having, I had somebody come up to me and confront me and says, no, if God is there working with them, you surely must have a response. You know, God's work always prospers. I says, yes, but if you recall the parables, uh, Jesus died. <laughs> and at the point of his death, he had zero apostles, zero followers. It was only much later that the result comes. Yes, all God's work will prosper. Issue is, whose timing? Yours or others? And so it is told to me by these OMF friends that that particular village, uh, the conversion had occurred as a result of the faithful witness of this person. We struggle with this. You know. We struggle because uh, we're in a place where we say, okay, we've got limited resources, we want to put this. So the seed, although it is limited resource, it is one nonetheless that we sow. Because the job of sowing is what we're called to do and we try and do it as best as we can. And who am I to determine whether it will or will not stick? Verse 9 says, Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Akuo, akuo, akuo. Okay. I hear, I hear, I hear. It is a big challenge for us that sometimes when we listen, 
but we're not really hearing, or we're hearing, but we're not really comprehending, neither are we actually digesting it. And I find that increasingly uh, very much the case now, not just for old people or young people, for everyone. Old people will say, uh, you know, young fellas, all his face stuck in the phone. <laughs> so they are, uh, uh, but they are actually checking out where they're going for dinner and uh, sending email messages and all that stuff. Young people will say about old people, I tell them, but they all, old dogs cannot learn new tricks. <laughs> They don't want to change. They're not even listening. Some of them are hard of hearing. One of my uncles, actually, now, he says, you, you say something, and he says something totally different. And his, uh, his son, my cousin, says, Nisuan uh, Pepe cannot hear anymore. You have to write it down. <laughs> he just uh, reads your lips and assumes this is what he's saying. But how much more when a word is said and it's received, but it's not really heard, not really responded to. Now, Jesus gave this four types of soil. And we read this again. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. This is a passage that's taken from Isaiah. And Isaiah, as a prophet, was told, Isaiah, your ministry is to go out to tell these people that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. It's a terrible job. Terrible job description because what he means is as soon as you open your mouth and you talk, it will harden their hearts and they will refuse to listen to you. You almost feel that you don't want to preach at all. It's almost like as a preacher, the, when you preach, people hear it and they hear it and they don't want to do anything about it. The next time you preach it, it's even harder. They get more and more hardened. And so the appeal that Jesus gives is to hear, to really listen to what is being said. Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Like I said, you know, unless you have this explanation, you would not know what this parable is about. So how then will you understand any parable? And the answer is not in terms of some secret knowledge that suddenly comes into your head that, oh, I'm a mind reader. <laughs> I know what Jesus meant. They only understood it when they stuck close to Jesus. So the key to the mystery of the kingdom is not in their wisdom and understanding in their own ability. The key and the mystery to the kingdom was Jesus who was there to explain it to them that when they ask, they would receive. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Ask and it shall be given unto you. That they stuck, they stuck to end. And I have to say this, Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, he's a guy who always portrays the followers as very blur. They are so daft that they cannot understand plain language. They see the miracles, but they just don't get it. But what is it about the disciples? What is, it, is, what, what is Mark saying 
is a mark of a true disciple. It is follow him. <laughs> follow, follow, follow. Even if you do not understand, keep following and one day it will be revealed to you. This is where he is at. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So you might hear, but Satan may come and take it away. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word at once, receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but, that, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what is sown. Question, which you would have always heard before this, if this has been presented before, what soil are you? When you start thinking about this, which soil do you think you are? I would say that our church has all types. Our church has all types. Uh, we go around, we sow the seed, and some of them come here, and they're not really interested in Christianity, neither are they really listening. They come here, they sit down, a lot of stuff goes over their head. When I was very young, and I was in KL, and one of the early churches that I came to, uh, we used to have some elderly folk who would come. They would come into the sermon, sing a few songs, and then before the sermon, uh, before the pastor came up to basically preach, they would leave through the back. And I always wondered, where are they going? <laughs> One day I decided to follow them because I also needed to go to the toilet. <laughs> I decided to follow them. And where they went to was the Kopitiam. And I asked the uncle, uncle, why are you here? You know, say, coffee is hot now. <laughs> the coffee is hot. I don't want to queue the rest of the people and I'm going ahead so that I can catch up with my friends. They weren't really interested in listening to the word. Now, maybe you might say they didn't like the pastor and the pastor was terrible, only, you know, lousy sermon or whatever. That may be the case, but you still honour the word and you still listen to the word. Then there are also others who, when you hear the word, then they say, hmm... I'd like to, i love to, but I can't. And they give you a whole litany of reasons why they can't. They hear the word, but they don't want to because they cannot. I got this commitment, I got that commitment, I got all these other things. Or you have those who, uh, they hear it, but it never drew any root. What it means is they heard it. Do you know how many times I, I, I come across this? They will, they will come and say, yeah, I've been in a mission school. I was with the Methodist boys' school. The chaplain will always come and tell all these stories. I hear all the stories. I know la, all your stories. La. Oh, Jesus, very good, very good, and all that stuff. Hey, by the way, when's your Easter? You always have makan there, right? <laughs> you know, come for Easter. 
or Christmas. I'll come for Christmas because got makan as well and sometimes got extra bits. But they are never a part of your community, neither do they truly believe that Jesus is Lord. And given any chance, they'll go somewhere else. They'll go to the mosque down the street because the mosque down the street says, if you convert, I'll give you X hundred dollars and I'll give you a scholarship for you and your children. Or they'll go down to the to whichever NGO or ad, other religious organization because they're offering more stuff. And so they wither away. They're not really there. They're just here in order to be one of those who pick on the seeds. What soil are we? What is the condition of your heart? Will you hear? Will you listen? I'd like you to consider what the disciples did. They didn't like pretend that they knew. They honestly came and said, explain, <laughs> what was this parable all about? And I, and I urge you, as you enter into that text, if that was all that you were given, the first eight verses, would you have understood what it meant if Jesus had not explained it? So to you has been given the keys to the kingdom. The explanation is there. But not only are you supposed to hear it, you're supposed to listen carefully, consider carefully, and then with what measure you measure, you too will be measured. Now, I, I look at this, I've looked at it at different ways and it can be interpreted different ways, which I encourage you, please do. What does it mean to measure what is being said? I believe that how you measure it is how you consider the seriousness of what is being said. It's like if I tell a child, fire, don't touch. And the child measures and says, okay, this came from a trustworthy person and he's my father and I will take that quite seriously, then I won't do this. Uh, then he has some safety in not burning himself. With what measure you measure, so too it will be measured out to you. And he has, been kept, he has kept him safe. But if on the other hand, the child says, who are you to tell me? I want to do a journey of self-discovery. Fire. <laughs> then that has been measured out to you. How seriously will you take what the gospel says, what Christ calls us to do? And it's not just a matter of belief. It has always been, come, follow. If any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself daily, take up his cross and follow me. Follow. What is God calling you to do? Have you considered carefully what he has called you to do? There are three responses or three uh, verbs right, that describe those who respond well, that describe what good soil is. They hear the word, they accept it, and they produce a crop. Hear, accept, produce. Some people hear, don't produce. Some people don't even hear. They hear some noise. Right? They're not really listening. And then... In all of it, you produce a crop. You produce a crop in keeping with what God has called you to do. And then Jesus says this in verse 21 to 25, which uh, kind of like saddles in between. Do you bring a lamp and put it under anything? 
Now, you might think this is another separate parable teaching. Actually, no. It relates to what Jesus is saying. Do you bring a lamp, Jesus, light of the world, the word of God, a lamp unto my feet? Do you put a lamp and then hide it? Do you bring a lamp and hide it in order for it to not be seen? In other words, do you, you, do you have a lamp and then not bother to use it, not bother to apply it? Which is, in a way, him saying, if the word of God has been given to you and you do not respond to it, in fact, you just hide it for safekeeping and you don't act on it, you don't invest on it, you don't move on it, you don't respond to it. That's kind of a duh. This is the guy who's putting a lamp under his, uh, under his table, uh, under his bed. Do you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and it produces nothing? And I think we really need to honestly search our hearts here. How many times do we have this accusation thrown against Christians? You've been Christian donkey's ages. You say you've eaten more salt. And we're not supposed to teach you how to suck eggs. That's what they say. Okay. But if you've been there all this while, why are you still so hard-hearted, so unkind, so cruel, so harsh? Do we then produce nothing? Let me try and turn this in a different way. If the product of the word of God is to produce more seed, more grain, have you been going around sharing the gospel with others in the same way that the gospel was first planted in you? Have you taken every occasion it is to basically share the gospel with someone? irrespective of whether the ground is good, bad, or lousy. Because that's what the preacher is saying. He sows. He sows without abandon because he wants to give every place a chance to grow, a produce. But what about you? You're the seed that has been a result of many people, missionaries all the way from America, UK, John Sung, uh, Sadhu Sunda saying, so many of these people who came. There are times when I reach our, I read our Malaysian church history and I weep because these people gave their lives. They died here. Typhoid, malaria. I read the story of our Orang Asli PMSM, Batak guys from Indonesia go all the way into the jungle. Wife dies in the middle of the jungle because he cannot get to hospital. They are the ones sowing the seed. But imagine if that seed is only to produce one seed in you and thereafter you keep it and you don't plant it and you don't sow. So are we as a church equipping ourselves to be people who produce this word, who share it with others? How are we to respond? One, so generously, even when the ground seems impossible. And for you, it may mean at some point in time, I need to basically learn how to share the gospel. But you don't even have to talk about gospel. You tell them, can I tell you something about myself? And you share the testimony of how you came to Christ. 
Because that one no one can no one can argue. After all, every old person will share a story about something that happened in their past. And you're asking permission. So if they say yes and you tell your story, they can't dispute you. You have a PhD in your own life. No one can dispute it. You're the one living it. So generously, even when the ground seems impossible. Do you know, I have met some kids, youth, they attended XEE, uh, uh, Evangelism Explosion. And they said, what the heck, give it a try. So they were walking and it suddenly started raining and they sat in a bus stop waiting because it was raining. But they met one, two other people at the bus stop. And because they had just gone training, they said, can I share something with you? Something about me. And the guy said, sure, why not? I'm stuck in the rain anyway. And they basically told. At the end of that, of the two, one person said, yes, I believe. I want to become a Christian. The other one said, thank you, no. But nice story. Impossible situation, absolute stranger. The guy did it. And these kids, these two kids, three kids, came back and said, Ron, Ron, I was not pastor at that time. Ron, 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 we did this. And it happened. And you know what they did after that? They started finding friends in their recess time and they said, we want to share the story. Why? Because they had found the fruit and it had been producing itself. And they were changed. Because they say, when we did that, when we stepped out in faith and God met us, we knew God was real. He said, you can talk about as much theology as you want to, but the moment that you step out in faith and you do it, that's when you encounter it. So really, maybe sometimes if you really want to encounter God, why not open your mouth and share about what God has done to you? If you read this text and you go a little bit further, it's a story about how Jesus calms the storm, the physical storm, and immediately after that, how Jesus calms the storm in legion. A, de- a person, a demoniac who was possessed by a legion of demons. At the end of that story, legion says, I want to follow you, Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? Stay here, go back to your family and your relatives and tell them what the Lord has done in your life. He's the first evangelist to a very hard ground. And he does that and he goes back. We find out later in Samaria, the gospel had somehow already started. And many people suspect maybe it was partly his work as well. So here's the thing, a follower of Christ Jesus, the one situation where Jesus didn't tell a person, say, yeah, follow me, was when he said to that person, go. And so we are in that same position. We are called to go make disciples of all the nations, teaching them all that Jesus has taught us, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Will you therefore hear, accept, and produce this crop? This is my charge to you, not from me, but from Christ. Will you hear this? Will you be good soil? Hear the word, accept it, produce a crop. Fruit of the Spirit and sharing of the gospel. And will you consider carefully what you hear and let the light of Jesus Christ bear fruit in you? 
Let me say this. You might, be, you might be thinking, it's all my effort, my effort. No, it's not. You are just the soil. <laughs> the Word of God is the one that never returns empty. Isaiah proclaims it. The Word of God goes forth, and when it returns, it never returns empty. Even if it hardens people, that is God's will. But our job is to hear, accept, plant. Whether it grows, that is to God's will. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we pray that we will be good soil. That even as we have heard this word, that we would accept it as a challenge to go forth and to bear much fruit in the kingdom, Lord. We pray for occasions for courage, for vulnerability, Lord, for trust in you that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, you would allow us opportunities to share the gospel with loved ones, Lord. And we entrust all the results unto you, Lord. Help us not to be fearful, but to convey with love and gentleness what the Lord has done in our lives, Lord, that it might be a blessing to others. We pray this and I commit this to you, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.